Hi, everyone. Well, right now I'm out of my comfort zone. You know, one of the greatest things that happened is with the whole COVID thing at work, we don't have to go into meetings anymore. You just jump onto a Skype meeting, and you're eating, and you're doing things, and you put people on mute, and I love that. You don't have to see a lot of people, so I love that. And right now, being up here, I was just starting to get used to my Sunday school class. Then COVID came. Just in time when I was getting used to talking before people and doing things, then this thing happened. And here am I again. But God is good. God has a reason for everything. And like I always like to tell people, I've been saved for a long time. Doesn't mean I know the Bible. But I thank God for his salvation. I know 1977, I remember when a friend was going to high school together, teen, and he, he has gotten saved. And he said, can I talk to you? Good friend. We're still friends. He lives in New Jersey. And I'm internally grateful to him when he pulled me into the locker room and witnessed to me and told me of the love of Christ and how to be saved and have eternal life. And I'm thankful to him for that. And I'm thankful for missionaries that leave this great country and go to other parts of the world and spread the gospel. Not only from America, you got missionaries from other countries. But this particular mission board came from America and where my friend got saved. And he, on fire for the Lord, led me to the Lord. So I'm always thankful for that. And this church has been a great home for me. We've been here since 1987, and it's been a great home. All my kids was born when I was when we started coming here. Yes, 87, 88, the first one was born, and it's been a great home. And I'm thankful to God for that. They all know the will of God. They all safe. They are safe, and so they know the truth of God in them. So tonight. If you have your Bible, let's read, let read one verse, and then we'll start off. And that verse is in Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9. <coughs> Got it? Okay. And that verse says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's you, my friend. You know your heart. For the short time that I came up here, there are things that went through your heart. Be it good or bad, there are things that went through your heart that you already computed in your heart. Right? And that's our heart. And tonight, we are going to be talking about don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. I, was, I have a piece of paper here, a psychology wrote, a blocker. Ten reasons to follow your heart. Ten reasons to follow your heart. And she went on to say, 
she first started off, you can stop trying to prove yourself to the world, to your boss, to your customer, to focus on improving that you are good enough and content enough to yourself. You can show those that you care about that they matter more to you than working long hours, getting ahead, and making the bottom line. And then her first reason was, when you follow your heart, you cease having regrets. This is the block I wrote this, and you computed for yourself. Well, you think as a Christian, if this person is right, and that first one is, when you follow your heart, you cease having regrets. She went on to say, in number two, she said, gain a newfound respect for yourself and from those you admire. And three, it says, get to know who you really are and what you really matters and what really matters to you. Number four, ensure that you are on the right and true path for yourself. Number five, allow yourself to forgive yourself, to forgive yourself and others. This is when you follow your heart. Number six, learn to love yourself. Number seven, learn to love others. Learn to trust your own intuition. Stop overthinking and go with what life throws at you. And number ten, listen to your heart. It knows you, it knows your true desires. Listen to your heart. It knows your true desire. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And so tonight, my friend, I'm here to tell you, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. There is the follow your heart creed that has embraced millions of people all around the world. All around the world. It is a pop culture myth, especially in the Western world. It has become a gospel that is proclaimed in stories, in movies, and etc., Every time you watch a movie, every time you read a book, follow your heart. Do what your heart tells you to do. That's all you you hear about. Essentially, it is a belief that your heart is a compass inside of you that will guide and lead you to true happiness. That will guide and lead you to true happiness. If you have the courage to listen to it, the creed says that you are lost. And your heart will save you. It sounds liberating to the lower souls. And believers, my friend, because we as believers, we still have the remnants of sin in us. We have fallen prey to it also. Some of us, we have, about following our hearts. However, Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep our God, our heart. Let's turn to that, that verse in Proverbs 
That verse says, Keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. For out of it are the issues of life. Yes, my friend. Out of your heart are the issues of life. And if you allow the heart to control you, we have a lot of issues that are not godly. The Bible is full of examples that warn us not to follow our hearts. So we'll look at some men in the Bible. God considered David a man after his own heart, right? We all know that. So if you look in First Samuel thirteen fourteen, I'll read it for you for the sake of time, but you can turn there. First Samuel thirteen fourteen. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. God is speaking here. He's speaking us. Samuel is speaking to um, to King Saul. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. First Samuel thirteen fourteen. Also, let us look into let us look in Acts thirteen twenty two. Acts thirteen twenty two. Acts 13.22 When he was, and when he was removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David a son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, we shall fulfill all my will. We shall fulfill all my will. A man after God's own heart, that shall fulfill all his will. My friend, what qualified David to be king? What qualified him was that he followed God's heart. Was that he followed God's heart. But when he didn't follow God's heart, he didn't do well. He didn't do well, like the most of us. When we don't follow God, we don't do well. Don't listen to what that creed, what that creed says. Follow your heart. We're never supposed to follow our heart. And when he didn't follow God's heart, he didn't do well. Let's look at some few examples in the Bible. Yeah, look at a few examples of people that didn't follow God's heart, starting with David. When David followed his own heart, he was on his way to slaughter Nabal and his household. And only Abigail's quick thinking and wise intervention saved David from blood guilt. And you can find that in 1 Samuel 25, 32 to 34. 1 Samuel 25, 32 so you see David here. He has an issue with Nabal. And in common, where he has some issue, he had help there. And he sent his men to get, get some supply. And he turned him down. And David, being David, 
not following his own heart, not following God's will, following his own heart. He wanted to go there and get rid of him. But Abigail, his wife, fast thinking, saved the day. When you follow your heart, my friend, it leads you into destruction. Let's look at David from another one, from another point. In Second Samuel 11, when David followed his own heart, he slept with Bathsheba, robbing her of her chastity and Uriah of his wife and his life. Robbing her. Here's a woman. She was married. No intermarried affairs. Now she had David. Because David was following his own heart. When he stepped out that day. When he stepped out that day and saw it. Saw her taking a bath. He went after her. Again. In First Chronicle 21. When David followed his own heart. He took a censor that God has said not to take, and it resulted into 70,000 deaths. 70,000 deaths. Because he did something that God didn't tell him to do. He followed his own heart. So you see the picture here, my friend. When we follow our heart, what happened to us? It lead us down the wrong path. It lead us down the wrong path. It does. We see another great man of God, Moses. We all know the story of Moses. Moses followed his own heart when he killed the Egyptian. And we know what that caused him when he killed the Egyptian in Exodus 2.12. Another person that followed his own heart, Nebuchadnezzar, he followed his own heart and he ended up eating grass like an ox. One of the first books that I, Bible story that I saw when I was very young was the picture of Nebuchadnezzar down on his face with beards and everything. It was an illustration of someone I have drawn. And the dew falling upon him. Because he didn't. He followed his own heart in Daniel 4.32. So you see, my friend, all these people, all these people follow their own hearts. Sinful nature, my friend. We are saved, but you and I have to sin. Sinful nature still within us to follow our hearts. Who can forget Haman? Haman. Haman followed his own heart. He ended up being hung from the gallows he has built. He built himself with Mordecai. He wanted to destroy Mordecai. And he built those things. He entered dying on it. He entered dying on it. We look in the New Testament. When the disciples follow their own hearts, they argue over who will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They, they, they were arguing among themselves. Their heart. All that the Lord has taught and they're walking with the Lord. So you see, my friend, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Satan can play the trick on you, can play the trick on me. When we think we're so close to the Lord. Those guys were disciples of Jesus Christ. They were walking with him. And those where they're arguing among. Who's going to be the greatest? And you know the story if you read that in Matthew 26, 56. Let's turn that for, let's just turn that and read that. Matthew 20, 
For all this was done, that the scripture of the prophet might be fulfilled. Mm, did I miss my verse? Then? Matthew twenty six fifty six. For all this was done, that the scripture of the prophet might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. That's oh, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong. I gave you the wrong address. Luke 9.46. I'm sorry. Luke 9.46. Luke 9.46. Then there arose a reasoning among them. Which of them should be the greatest? Luke nine forty six. Luke nine forty six. And we also saw the scripture that we turned to in Matthew twenty six fifty six. And in terror, you remember them? They were in Gethsemane with Jesus, and in terror, all of his disciples forsook Jesus. And that's what I was reading Matthew twenty six fifty six before. And they fled from him when he needed them most. They all fled. They were afraid. Their heart was not with God but with him, but themselves. My friend, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. We also see another example. Ananias and Sapphira followed their own heart. They lied to the Holy Spirit. And what happened to them? They dropped dead in Acts 5. They dropped dead when they followed their own heart. My friend, in our own lives, we have followed all kinds of things. We have followed our hearts. And if we were to go around the room, and you gave a story, when you follow your heart and when things fell apart for each of us, we always have a story. We all will have a story. We all will have a story. Don't follow your heart. Your heart will deceive you all the time. All the time. Now let's go back to our verse that we read before. And I have a simple question for you, like that verse did it. How wicked is your heart? How wicked is is your heart? I have three kids. If... If my oldest daughter called me on the phone right now and said, Dad, you're a wicked man. What do you think my first reaction would be? I'd probably get so mad at her, right? I would get mad at her. Why call me wicked? Did I do anything bad to you? Did I? But she would be right, right? I am wicked. I am wicked. I am wicked, my friend. She would be right. 
She will be right. I tell you a story. Before we go deeper into it, I tell you a story that I read this summer. It's happened. It's a true story. It happened right in New York. It happened right in New York. Sun of my eyes. I can't see up here. This story happened in New York. A 21-year-old personal assistant of Fahim Salah was arrested Friday in a grisly slaying of a tech inventor. An attack police said appeared to be tied to the thefts of ten thousands, thousands of dollars. Therese Devon Hespar is accused of at- attacking Salah 33 at his luxury apartment in Manhattan on Monday, New York police said. But this is the wickedness of this man. He dismembered a body of a day before. And then the next day he came with an electric saw and he cut him to pieces and put him in a trash bag. Why did he do this to him? This was a guy who was supposed to be a friend, right? Hespar was Salah's executive assistant and he handled his finances and personal matter, Harrison said, one of the detectives. It is also believed that he owed a victim a significant amount of money. When Salah recently discovered that Hasbell, who worked for him for five years, stole roughly $90,000 from him, he instead fired him. He did not report it to the police. He fired him. And he told him, let me make some way that you pay me back. And of course he paid him back with his life by killing him. Would you consider this guy very wicked? He killed him the day before. Then he went back the next day with an electric sword and piece by piece and put him up in a bag. My friend, that's weakness. I know we're sitting here with like, I'm not at that level. But it's not what the Bible tells me. We all are. We all are capable of doing this. Is by his mercy and grace. We all, every single person in this room, we are capable. We are capable. But by his mercy and grace, that we are not. So you see, my friend, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? That word desperately is used one time in the King James Bible. In that verse, why did God place emphasis on that word and put it there? Because if somebody told me I'm wicked, I think wicked is wicked, right? You're wicked, you're wicked. But why did God place emphasis on that desperately? To describe that verb, verb wicked. The root word for desperate is despair, complete loss. Or absence of hope. The Webster 1828 dictionary defines it as hopelessness, hopeless state, destitution of hope. You have no hope. But by His mercy, my friend, you and I have hope, right? We do, right? We do. We do. And that's what our verse is saying. I work. 
in logistics. My previous company, it was a chemical company, and we shipped chemicals all over the world. You name it. And chemicals are broken into three categories. We call them packaging group. We have packaging group three, packaging group two, and packaging group one. And based upon the hazard of that chemical, and that's how you put them into packaging group. So if you have something minor, it will be packaging group three. And I always like to consider it's like what they put in our food. They get to that point and no more, right? Because if you read some of the packages, if you read some of the preservatives you have in your food, you got a ton of chemicals. You got a ton of chemicals. And those same chemicals are used in the industry. But we use it at a larger level. So you will be, it will be minor. Packaging group three will be minor. And then you have something that is major in the middle. Packaging group two. And then packaging group one is the top. It's the top. When you have packaging group one, you have to be extremely careful. Most times you can only put on a cargo aircraft only. And there are even some that are forbidden from even, you can't even fly them. You have to put on a ship and all like that. So you see, my friend, I say this to say that you and I are packaging group one. We are. We are desperately wicked. We are sinful people. It's by his mercy. You, we may not want to admit to that. The same way when I say, if my daughter called me and say, if I were wicked, and I would be mad at her, but the Bible is telling us that we are. We are. Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continuously. Continuously. And that's what God destroyed the world the first time, right? So you see, my friend, We ought to be careful. We ought to be careful. We should take time as believers that we don't fall in that trap of follow your own heart. We see in, um, in Proverbs 28, 26, He that trusted in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Proverbs 28:26. See, my friend, will you want to follow that leader? Will you? No, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to. The leader you want to follow is our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend. My heart is like, my heart likes to think the best of me, and so are you. And the worst of others. Right? My heart always thinks Jacob is the greatest God. How about the guy next to me? He's no good. Unless the other guy think well of me. And if they don't think well of me. Or disagree with me. Then something is wrong with them. And that's how most of the time we feel. If you don't agree with me. The problem is you. Not me. Because I'm the nicest God. That's what my heart tells me. I'm the greatest guy. I am. I'm the greatest guy. 
So, my friend, your heart will always lie to you. Your heart will always lie to you. Follow your heart creed is not found in the Bible. If follow your heart creed that billions of people around the world follow. It's not found in the Bible. It's not found in the Bible. Actually, think of your heart as having a disease. Your heart has a disease, my friend. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Jesus, our great physician, lists the grim symptoms of this disease. Let's turn to Matthew 15, 19. Please. Matthew fifteen nineteen. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemous. That's the disease you and I have, my friend. That's what the scripture says. That's the disease. And Christ pointed that out to us. Proverbs six fourteen says, Forwardness is in his heart. He devised mischief continuously. He sought this core. He sought this core. Another issue with our heart, my friend, that we shouldn't follow. Our heart has a psychopathic tendencies. And what that is, our heart wants to destroy anybody else for the pursuit of happiness. We want, we want to step on someone else to get on top. That's psych, psychopathic tendencies, my friend. And one of my favorite books in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 9.3. Let's look at that verse. There's a verse there. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there that there is one even unto all, yea, also the heart of the Son of Man is full of evil, and madness is in their heart, while they live, and after that they go to death. They die, and go to the dead. My friend, like I stated before, the Lord Jesus is our leader. Him and only him we should follow, my friend. The Bible is clear. We must follow God's heart, not our heart. Following God's heart means to follow Jesus. Our heart was never designed to be God's in whom we believe. They were designed to believe in God. Our heart cannot save us. Because what is wrong with our hearts is the heart of our problem. It's the heart of our problem. Now that Jesus, note that Jesus did not say to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled, just believe in your heart. He didn't say that. If you look at John 14.1, John 14.1, it's a verse that we all quote all the time. 
John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said instead. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. He didn't say believe in your heart. He didn't say that. So my friend, we have, we must follow Jesus. We must. We must follow him. Hebrews 25 Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that have come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intersection for them. My friend, you and I have a hard problem. And Jesus is our answer. He is our answer. Not us. Not anything else. Because it's hard will lead us astray. Don't listen to what a blacker wrote. Follow your heart. Do this. Trust, love yourself first. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Love yourself first. We already do that on our sinful self. We already do that. So you don't have to tell us. We do that already. So my friend, tonight I want to tell you before I take my seat. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. He is your shepherd. For like the psalmist said in Psalm 22, The Lord is my shepherd. Not your heart. The Lord is your shepherd, not your heart. And my friend would say, Well, I'm a believer. I don't do those things. Yes, you are, my friend. We all have the remnant of sin. In this mortal body that I stand in, it's sinful. It's sinful. Have you ever driven down the road and somebody crossed you or cut you off and do something to you and immediately your heart take over what to do next to them? Immediately. Your heart take over. Go after them. Cut them off. Do this. And one of my new things I've noticed on the road and just watch other people too. Once they make a mistake like somebody come and cut you off or do something to you and he starts to run. Watch him. The next thing, if he goes ahead, there's a red light, he's going to go right through. Because he doesn't want you to catch up to him. So he's going to go right through. Their heart is in control, my friend. Their heart is in control. And it happened to you and I. It happened to us. And every now and then, if someone crosses you, oh, he doesn't know what he's messing with. He doesn't know what he's messing with. My friend, it's sad, but as believers, we do that. We do that. We do that. We do that. We should rest in Jesus, our shepherd. He's the only one that can guide you and guide me, my friend. Before I take my seat, let, let us turn to one of my favorite hymns in, in the hymn or there. If you have your hymns book, pick it up. And turn to 509. Turn to 509. And let that be our prayer tonight. Turn to 509. And guess what? You think I will have one up here? I don't. But I know the page. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor.
509. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. Look at that first answer. Take time to be holy. What does it say? Speak oft with the Lord. That's devotional, right? If you're speaking of the Lord, you're having devotion. You're spending time in devotion. So that heart cannot control you. You want to be near Jesus. You have that devotional with him. Speak off with the Lord. Speaking to him diligently. Look at the circumstances. Seek to be alone with Jesus. While the world rushes on. My friend, we are living in perilous times. If I divided a room and right now, we all will not agree. We all will have issues with certain things that are going on in our society right now. We will not agree on any given topic. And my friend, as believers, we need to be on the same page. And that page is Jesus. What his word says, that's what we need to be abiding in. And not the world around us. We're here for a short time. This world is not our home. We're just passing through, my friend. We're just passing through. Don't let them get your attention. They're all clamoring for your attention. Don't do it, my friend. Don't do it. Don't do it, please. And we see in the second verse there. Seek to be alone with Jesus while the world rushes on. Through time with Jesus like him. We shall be. The third stanza is, Jesus become the God that we need, that we must follow and trust. He is. We must follow and trust him. In Jesus' time, the world was going, falling apart. He did what he had to do. He had a mission. And he fulfilled that mission. He fulfilled that mission, my friend. And I want to tell you, sometimes we have family and we have people and our heart tell them, oh, you can't go into Bridgeport. I'm a detective on the team. I know what's happening in that place all night long. I am not allowing my family to go there. Hard at work, my friend. You have to be like Jesus. Did Jesus go around Samaria? No. He went through, right? When everybody went all around, he went through. That's how we ought to be. That's how we ought to be. If you ser- if you're serving God and you're going to preach when you got shot for whatever reason or in an inner city, you're doing the work of God. That's a good headline to have in the paper the next day. Oh, Jacob got shot in Bridge, but what was Jacob doing? He was not buying drugs. He was giving a track to someone. He was giving a track to someone. He was putting a door hang on somebody's door and the guy came out and shot him. I think that's a better headline than being so afraid and letting the heart lead us. And that's where, my friend, Jesus become the God that we follow and trust in that third verse. The fourth verse, my friend, Stanza, our soul become calm. His calmness, 
especially in today's day and age where everything is so crazy, we can't understand what's going on around us. The kindness leads to Jesus' control in our lives. This control manifests itself in the fountains of love. This love, in turn, fits up for service above. You know, one thing I love to do when I go to bed is I like to read. I like to read instead of singing it because I can't sing. So most times, it's good. God inspires me. These men that wrote some of these hymns, they're awesome. They got great message in them. Great message that we can apply to our lives. Great message, my friend. So tonight, my friend, if you didn't get any, if you didn't get anything on what I said, I just want to assure you: take time to be holy. This world rushes on, my friend. We in it for a brief while. We in it for a brief while. Let us never forget that vertical. Look up to him. Let us never forget. Most times we do. And when we follow our hearts, please, my friend, let not do it. Let not do it. Let's pray. My Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your mercy and grace. I know, my Lord, that my heart has controlled me many a time. And so, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord, to look up to you, the author and finisher of my faith. I thank you tonight, Lord. I thank you for a church home, Lord, that been good to me in good times, in bad times. When I feel you, Lord, I know that I can come because there's always room at the cross for me. And I thank you tonight for all your goodness and mercy that a nobody like me, you care for me so much and you love me. And therefore you came and you gave your life on Calvary for my sin. For my sin, Lord, that I committed. So, Lord, I ask you tonight to be with us, Lord, let not listen to our heart, but to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen.